Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. This is Cougar Sports Saturday. Cougar Sports Saturday. A presentation of KSL Sports. Got it for three. By Cougar fans. For Cougar fans. It's Cougar Sports Saturday. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Maimonte. On your legacy home of BYU Sports. KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Hour two getting underway here on Cougar Sports Saturday. Michigan just drew a PI in the end zone. Mitch, are you watching this Michigan the game, Michigan Ohio State? I have to assume Mitch is watching the game. I mean, it's it's Michigan Ohio State for heaven's sakes. So uh, Michigan is up twenty four to twenty. It is early in the fourth quarter. They are in the red zone and they are about to score. So we'll keep you up to date if you're driving around the game number two and number three. Ohio State in Michigan. It is a close one at the horseshoe right now. Though we want to get back to BYU football and we want to learn a little bit more about this offense and also scouting Stanford with pass game coordinator and wide receiver coach Fessy Satake. Fessy, thanks for joining the program. I want to start things off by uh, talking about something crazy that happened in the Utah Tech game. So Aaron Roderick earlier in the week said that for sure they knew your guys' plays early on. And, uh, you know, I remember being in the press box and, you know, the quarterbacks running to the sideline, getting the call. I'm like, what is going on? So when did you guys realize uh, this could be happening and we need to change? Uh, We realized it after about two possessions. Um, And when we considered making a change, we decided to give it one more go. And we... We, we scored 28 straight points. Uh, <laughs> right. We had a great, great 28-point second quarter, and um, and so that was enough reason for us to continue that operation. And then there was a couple times in the third quarter where there was a, a play or two that um, that they got you know pretty good. And and then um, you know the fourth quarter, most of the fourth quarter, we went to that quarterback to the sideline deal. And honestly, like credit credit to them. You know, I mean, I mean they have connections here, and it's just. 
that's part of the college football deal and, and coaching. You know, if you if you have um, any advantage you can get, you might as well take it. So credit to those guys. There's no complaints on our end. That's that's our job is to try and um, maneuver around those things. And I, I thought our guys did a, a good job of uh, adjusting to some of the slight changes we made. When that happens, is it just? It's not that there's a concern per se, but it's just a time thing because the quarterback's going to run to the sideline and run back to the huddle. Yeah, it's a time thing, and and uh, luckily we didn't run Jared a ton, Jaron a ton, but there's a lot of running. Uh, <laughs> right. You add up those steps. I, I wish I could take those steps, um, but then not be the one who's in charge of the play. Right. I need to lose that weight, but um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It's, it's really it's a combination of of tiring the quarterback out and um, making sure we're not up against the the, the game clock. From a passing perspective, and I bring this up with you being the passing coordinator and the, and, and the wide receivers coach, but just a phenomenal day passing the football. I'm I'm 90% sure that that was the most passing yards a quarterback had in the independent era. Um, what was clicking so well in the passing game in that game? Yeah, it was a, it was a combination of two things. I, I uh, Those guys were made it a point to take Puka out of the game plan. Um double teaming him bracketing over the top sometimes three essentially over him and uh so it was, a, it was a combination of him drawing a lot of attention and then the other um piece of our guys winning the one-on-one routes on the perimeter and jaron connecting on those um obviously keanu had a hat trick in the first half chase had a big touchdown those were a result of winning the one-on-one matchup and jaron just putting the ball in the right spot and so credit to those guys for making plays and and um you know kind of confirming that you know we're not a one-trick pony, and we have we have guys we can spread a, uh, the ball around amongst all the positions. Three thousand-yard passer, Jaron is now, and he's closing in on thirty touchdown passes. Those are big numbers in college football. What's impressed you the most about his play distributing the football this year? Yeah, just how how poised he's been. You know, we've had a lot of you know everyone can look at this as an up and down season. There's been a lot of up and down moments even within the game. And um, if you're not someone who's who's you know mentally you know strong enough to handle some of the storms that come in a game, um, you can get exposed. And Jaron's consistently been able to ha- uh, weather a lot of the, the the ups and downs that have happened in the game. And um, we've seen a lot of different looks defensively. I mean, amongst the opponents we've played, there's been a lot of. Um, games where we've we've stepped into the game thinking something was going to happen and the 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 team has done something that they hadn't put on film up to that point and so you kind of have had to adjust to that it's a lot of times where we have more second half adjustments um teams are teams are doing a lot to to take things away and jaren's done a great job at at uh, adjusting to those those halftime adjustments or or anything within the game all right, that is Fessy Satake, the pass game coordinator and wide receiver coach. And Mitch, hasn't he done just a phenomenal job this year uh, from a pass game perspective? I've just been so impressed with not only the play of Jaron Hall, but also the play of this wide receiver group. Because it, it has not been the same guys really in any single game, but yet the production has remained high. They've done a great job, and it's one of the reasons why Fessy Satake was named a Broyles Award nominee, which is given to the, the top assistant coach in college football. Now, I know the Broyles Award is named their semifinalist, and Fessy wasn't on that, in that group. But still, to be a nominee with all the assistant coaches in college football, to be one of you know 54 or so, that, was, that spoke highly, I think, of, of what Fessy has done for BYU this year and just in his career, too. The, his career arc from being a Southern Utah wide receiver, then – coaching at his alma mater and then 
going up to Weber State and becoming an OC there, and now at BYU, he's done a fantastic job. And at some point, I wonder if if a group of five or maybe even a Power Five school comes calling for him as an OC. He's just done excellent work on BYU staff, and you know, hopefully BYU can make sure that he's still content and happy to be at BYU. I think it definitely helps that he's working with the man he calls his brother. Obviously, it's his cousin, but there, there's a brotherhood there with Kalani Satake and Fessy. So I think Fessy has done excellent work for BYU, and I think these wide receivers, it's not slowing down after this year, Matt. You know, let's let's assume, you know, Puka Nakua moves forward with that uh, invite to the Senior Bowl and goes on to the NFL, I still think the wide receivers are going to be pretty good next year with Chase Roberts coming back, Cody Epps returns from an injury, Keanu Hill, you add a Josiah Phillips from recru- from the signing day class out of Sierra Canyon. Uh, you can go on and on. Devin Downing from American Fork. There is a lot of talent at the wide receiver position, and a lot of that credit goes to Fessy Satake. Yeah, and it, I, I, offensively for sure, when you look at next next year's team, and we, we'll have plenty of time in the offseason to break this down, but I think the wide receiver group will be the strength of that offense next year, but for sure, because there's going to be new pieces on the offensive line. I, I think we're all assuming that Jaron Hall will go pro and you'll be breaking in a new quarterback. Chris Brooks will be gone. Lopini Katoa will be gone. Remains to be seen what happens with Jackson McChesney, but there's going to be new guys at the running back position. Miles Davis, you know, we'll see if he returns and maybe takes over that job. But that wide receiver group, you got Chase Roberts, you got Cody Epps, Keanu Hill. That's a really good starting place for this offense next year. It is. And, you know, that was one area when Kalani took over the program back in 2016. I just felt like, you know, I don't know what to expect of how they're going to accumulate skill position talent. And I thought the strength was going to be at the D-line. What do I know, I guess? Because the D-line is the area where it's a weakness, and the wide receiver spot is an absolute strength for BYU football. And, again, credit to Fessy Satake. He's got a knack, too, for uh, finding guys that you know no one is thinking of and projecting. He's very good at projecting talent. That was the case with Dax Milne. He he has an eye for that and a knack. It, there's a science to it. It's not everyone's gifted with that, and he's very good at projecting talent. So uh, very excited to see you know the, the the potential for for Fessy and and again a lot of these coaches like BYU is not a broken team. I think sometimes fans look at you know what's happened this year and think oh it's just broken. It's done. They're they're just terrible. They're down and out. BYU's done. No, no, no. There's there's they just got to fine tune some things. It's it's a growing pain. It's it's unfortunate because when you have a star signal caller like Jaron Hall, you don't want growing pains to happen with that guy. You want to have that magical season that Jaron Hall should probably probably be part of. I mean, that's what's really frustrating about this year, honestly, because I think Jaron is just such a uh, special talent and a great leader. You want something big for him and be in that national conversation of college football. But there's individual guys like Fessy, like A-Rod, who they've had their moments this year where it hasn't been great. Like, no one's going to excuse the offense in October, some of the short-yarded situations. But still, there's some nice pieces to work with going forward into the Big 12 that I feel like these coaches, some of these guys will be 
instrumental pieces in turning BYU into a successful Big 12 team. And and I believe Fessy Satanki is definitely one of those people that uh, you keep on this coaching staff, and I think he'll do a great job even in the Big 12 era. I think the one thing that needs to be improved uh, specifically about the roster going forward is they got to hit a few more home runs in the transfer portal. Uh, we heard from Houston Hamuli this week, and we're going to touch on him next because his ties to Stanford are very are, are very unique. But he just didn't materialize uh, for one way or another this year, and 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 that's been difficult because he was a productive fullback at Stanford and hasn't seen the field. If BOU wants to keep winning early in the Big Twelve, they got to be able to hit hit home runs in the transfer portal because there's been some nice additions from the transfer portal. But, uh, you know, like Puka Nakua is a home run, right? They need a few more of those because Chris Brooks, he wasn't a home run this year. And it pains me to say that because I thought he was going to be a 1,000-yard guy. But for what, whatever reason, his role has not been as big as it was for Tyler Algier. He said Tyler Algier had three times the carries last year than, than Brooks had this year, Mitch. Think about that. They just, For whatever reason, they just have not given him the ball. And, and if they're going to go out and get a Chris Brooks guy – they need these guys to hit like Puka Nakua, and, and I think that's the one thing that, for sure, when you talk about is this program going to be good in the Big 12 and what they need to do better, they when they get guys out of the transfer portal, they need those guys to hit. They do, and you know Puka is an all-time talent, and it helped getting him. You know, I think Kingsley is is on that uh, on that trajectory. I know Kingsley last week had some. Had, you know, poor decisions. He was making some reckless penalties, I thought, last week. And it felt like it was a little bit personal. We haven't even touched on that, the whole Utah Tech bit about Seriously. smack talk. Goodness <laughs> gracious. But, you know, so Kingsley, Puka, they're in an elite tier. I'd say yep. Tyson Williams, even yes. though he played in only four games, he's in that elite tier of transfer portal additions. But, you know, a lot of them have been kind of, eh, it's okay. Like, and And I feel like going forward, if BYU can be armed with – in NIL collected, and I say that because that's just what the going rate is in the Big 12. That's what that's the name of the game in the Big 12 conference. Let's call it what it is. I mean, there is these these coaches aren't directly paying, but you're now seeing schools like Clemson saying, "Hey, donate money to this NIL collective." They're not telling how it you know works and what type type of kickbacks go into those players actually earning that NIL, but they're straight up saying, "Donate to this collective," which is indirectly saying. Do this so we can pay our players. So that's the going rate in college football. So you got to get that armed and ready for BYU. And uh, if you can do that, I feel like there's a lot to sell with this place because the great thing about transfers is that they've had maybe some adversity and they feel like, you know what, it's all about ball now. And BYU is a great place to focus on ball. And now you've got a Power 5 conference to arm the, the case with and also to you're going to be eventually playing in an era where it's the 12-team playoff, where you win this league, you're in the big dance, you're in the show, you're playing for a national title, and that's something that's going to be so special for BYU. And I'm so fascinated to see, you know, what how this evolves going forward for BYU and the way that they recruit and the way that they assemble a roster because all the things that used to be knocks on BYU, that's out the window. So this upcoming offseason is going to be fascinating, and Fessy Satake and and we'll see what the rest of this coaching staff looks like for BYU in year one of the Big 12. We're taking another timeout. On the other side, we'll get you some score updates around college football as Michigan and Ohio State rages on. And like Matt said, we'll check in on Houston Haymooley 
one of the unique crossovers between the Stanford-BYU matchup. It's Cougar Sports Saturday, live from Palo Alto here on KSL News Radio. Some interesting scores in the world of college football right now. Welcome back into Cougar Sports Saturday. Mitch Harper, Matt Biamonte coming to you live from Palo Alto, California, side of BYU and Stanford. That's that's going to be uh, another lifetime away, it feels like, 9 p.m. tonight, BYU and the Cardinal. But there's a lot of good college football going on right now, Matt. Most notably, number two, Ohio State versus number three, Michigan. Michigan is up 31 to 20 with 11:15 left in the fourth quarter. I'm telling you, Matt, I did not see this coming. I thought it was all Buckeyes all day. This is this is shocking. I'll, I'll be honest. It's best for the Big Ten though, because if Michigan were to lose, they do not have a resume that would I, I believe would get them into the Final Four. I just I just don't. When you have wins over mm. UConn, Hawaii, and Colorado State in your non-conference, and then the Big Ten. Big Ten has not been that good this year. Let, let's, I mean, yep. you could make an argument, Mitch, and it pains me to say this. You can make an argument that Pac-12 has been better than Big Ten this year, top to bottom. Uh, they I don't, agree. They don't have an Ohio State or a Michigan at the top, but after that, there's a lot of better teams in the Pac-12 than the Big Ten. So if Michigan were to win, I think they'll get in because they'll probably play a Purdue team in the Big Ten championship and win that game. And then Ohio State will have a nice win against Notre Dame, so uh, it might be best for the Big Ten. But this this has been a little surprising. However, Michigan's offensive line, Mitch, has been maybe the cream of the crop in college football these past two years, and they have been great against the Buckeyes today. It, it, honestly, watching this game makes me feel like if BYU wants to be uh, to compete in the Big 12 consistently, you've got to take a page out of the Michigan book in terms of what they've done in the trenches. Because Mich- Michigan has a good uh, recruiting pool. I'm not saying they don't, but they don't recruit guys like Ohio State, Mitch. They- and they have no. a high academic standard at Michigan, too. They can't take anybody. And they have built such good play in the trenches that they can compete with teams like Ohio State now. And it's- it took Harbaugh a long time to get there. But if you're BYU, it's like, man, the recipe here is we got to be – Top 25 good in the trenches. And if we are, like BYU was in the old days, then you can compete with a lot of teams in college football. You know, it, it's interesting you bring that up, Matt, because I've always felt, and I'm, I'm saying this, and this term I'm about to use is just because of what college football places on brands, but uh, BYU is kind of like a poor man's Michigan in a way. You know, like I always saw some parallels between BYU to Michigan and Utah to Ohio State. Not look, Utah's not Ohio State, but like that rivalry where it's like this kind of volatile red crowd where they're like always angry and like BYU's more reserved and more Michigan. They're always told they're holier than thou, that sort of thing. Uh, but you know, like I, I, I agree with you. Like it's got to start up in the trenches. It's yep. got to be physical football and. Tonight, BYU and Stanford, Stanford was once known as a physical brand of football when they had Nerd Nation rocking and roll with Jim Harbaugh, who's about to get a second consecutive win against Ohio State. You know, then David Shaw carried it over, and they, they just kept things rolling. It's, it's kind of bottomed out for Stanford, but 
I've been surprised that BYU hasn't been as physical, and I wish one of those guys that would have been a physical force for BYU this year was Houston Haymouli, and Houston came in as a grad transfer walk-on. He didn't need to do this. He already got his graduate or his degree at Stanford. He's a pre-med student. He didn't need this, but he loves BYU football, and there was a belief that maybe BYU was going to expand his role. That just hasn't been the case, Matt. No, it hasn't, and it's been disappointing, Mitch. Uh, Houston, he spoke with the media this week. Here's what Houston had to say about playing against his old teammates in Palo Alto. Yeah, I'm excited. I am so excited to go back over there and play my old teammates. We talked about it at the beginning of the year. Now it's finally here, and you yeah. can really zero in and focus on it. Mm-hmm. What do you expect the experience to be like? Um, I think a term I use way too much is surreal. I think I've used that for every experience at BYU, going back there, but it is. You know, it's... You know, I'm going back to where I first played college football with the team where I first fell in love with football. I want to see him play, Mitch, uh, against Stanford. Quite frankly, just he, I feel like, has deserved uh, an opportunity to, to play in this game because of the way that he has played on special teams and just his team attitude. We know he's not been happy with his role because in spring football, he was actually used quite a bit. Now, I know it's spring football, and that's experimental but, man, this dude, uh, he – I feel like he can help the team. I just I just feel like, especially in the run game, having a, fu- a fullback back there that can block him, I feel like he could be used. I really want to see him play tonight. Well, Matt, I agree with you because Aaron Roderick this week talked about how short yardage situations have been a problem. That is – was the Houston Haymouli role at a minimum in my mind. Look, Houston's a guy that – he hasn't had a carry in his college career. He was a former Stanford captain in 2021, but and he's been playing college football since 2018. He's never had a carry in his whole career. I would like I would love to see BYU give him a tote one tonight. Just give him a chance, and you know, two. Let's see what he can do. If it's a third and one, it's a fourth and one. Because I want BYU to be aggressive in this game. Because you're right, Matt. To the in the grand scheme of everything, there isn't much at stake. I get that, but I think like when you drill it down and kind of get deep in the weeds, there are some things that's at play. But I do want to see them aggressive because the the stakes aren't too high. Be aggressive, and if you're a fourth and one, and maybe you're in your own territory, get Houston in there. Why not? It, it's like Especially when you can't move the ball on third and short. They're one of the worst teams in college football in short yardage. I have been been stunned that he hasn't got an opportunity. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say, this was Mike Allstott, that you were just not playing. I'm I'm not saying that here. But in in, in those games against, say, Notre Dame, when you need that yard... BYU maybe wins that game, and Notre Dame's the 13th-ranked team in the country next year, and how are we looking at this season if they win that game? Totally so, different. Totally different. Absolutely. So uh, give him a tote. I want to see him get a chance to play against his old team. It'd be a sweet story on tonight's game against Stanford. It's just It's been puzzling this year, and I, I feel like it's officially a concern. And, may, and maybe we discuss this in our next segment when we bring on our new producer and introduce him to Cougar Nation but what has happened to the tight end fullback position? Mason Wake has been non-existent this year. We've hardly seen Isaac Rex. Houston doesn't play. Like, do we need to be concerned about this position going forward? Because this has been a staple of BYU football for so long. I, I, I think this this spot, uh, the tight end spot. I think that 
BYU will be okay. I think they got some good players in the pipeline. But the fullback spot, you know, I I thought that Mason Wake was going to be more of a factor too. That that's kind of an underrated thing here that he was being turned in more to a traditional tight end, and that just quite frankly hasn't worked for BYU at all this season. We got to take a timeout as Matt teased. We're going to introduce our new producer to the show. Who's that? Who is that man? Who is that? Who is that person? We'll introduce our new producer in coming up next here on Cooper Sports Saturday. It's powered by CancelSports.com. This is Cougar Sports Saturday. Cougar Sports Saturday. A presentation of KSL Sports. Every Saturday, all year long. BYU Sports Talk by Cougar Fans. For Cougar Fans. It's Cougar Sports Saturday. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper. And Matt Biamonte, on your legacy home of BYU Sports, KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Da 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 da. Did you see the Michigan? Michigan's gonna win the game, Mitch. Sorry to cut you off. Holy smokes! Did you see that play? I did see that play, and you know what? I, I, I I'm just worried that now we're gonna see. TCU left out no, of the no. college football playoff. You think? One loss, Ohio State? You're leaving that brand out over no. TCU? I'm saying that the Pac-12 is not getting in, and yeah. I'm saying that Clemson's not getting in. It's just going to be the top four that we have now. It's going to so be – the opening Clemson, round will be Georgia, Ohio State, and then TCU, Michigan. That's not What bad. about USC? Oh, they're, they're out. They're out. They got Notre Dame tonight. If they win that game, they lost to Utah. They, might jump. they lost to Utah. They Utah PCU? is a fine football team, but they're not Michigan. They're not Ohio State. Both no, of those no. teams will have one loss, and whose one loss is better? Ohio uh, State's Michigan. loss will be better. Or, yeah, Ohio State's. Yeah, yeah, so sorry. USC's not getting in. And I don't want to see USC in there, anyways, because they're second best players out for the year. Yeah, that's fair. Right. I, I just I, I kind of am getting worried for TCU a little bit. I don't know why. I know they got to take care of business. If they lose, yeah. they're done though. Which yeah. is which is a bummer for the Big Twelve because it, TCU has a great schedule. They've played a great schedule, but if they have any slip ups, they're not getting in. You brought up Clemson. They are down right now, thirty-one to thirty over against South Carolina. Two oh three left in the fourth. So we are seeing. Some crazy upsets. Uh, Auburn and Alabama is about to kick off. We'll see that one in action. An interesting game. You meant, you bring up the Pac-12. Oregon and Oregon State uh, will be kicking off here shortly. And Oregon State's a favorite in that one. Slight favorite. And that's notable because, keep this in mind. I know this is Cougar Sports Saturday, but I'm, I'm kind of curious about just the college football landscape here. When we talk about USC... They still might play Utah in the Pac-12 championship game because UCLA beat Cal yesterday. Oregon State, if they beat Oregon, that's another piece to this potential tiebreaker for Utah. And then the third piece would be Washington beats Washington State. If all three of those outcomes happen, Utah goes to the Pac-12 championship. Utah needs to beat Colorado today, but uh, talk about packing your way in to a championship game. But hey, I will say I like that because it adds more intrigue to a conference race when you have divisionless championships, and that would be the case in the Pac-12 with 
no Pac-12 North and Pac-12 South. So something to keep an eye on there uh, in college football. We'll continue to monitor all the action around college football. BYU and Stanford, they kick off tonight at 9 p.m. You can listen to the game right here on KSL News Radio. I will be inside Stanford Stadium. First time, my first visit uh, on the farm. It's the, it's the, the last stadium in the Pac-12 that I have not been to. So I'm, this, and I can check off the entire Conference of Champions and say I've been to every stadium in the Pac-12. So looking forward to checking that off. Coming up tonight, television broadcast will be on FS1. But Matt, should we, uh, should we bring out to uh, introduce our newest addition to the Cougar Sports Saturday team? Absolutely. So uh, a few weeks ago, Dallin Graff, who is a longtime producer of uh, Cougar Sports Saturday, he moved over to our sister station, uh, KSL uh, The Zone. And now uh, we need to bring someone in. And uh, we brought in a... Hold a, on. Hold on, Matt. Okay. Hold on, Matt. All right. Sorry. We need to lay out what this coaching search or this, this producer search was like. Okay. There was a <laughs> lot of rumors. There was a lot of speculation. Some people were saying there was offers dealt. There was offers extended. No. I can say confidently we only offered one person. And one person only, and this person is now going to be introduced. So I just wanted to put that to rest, yes. Matt, because the 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 grapevine, the rumor mill, the <laughs> the producer carousel, it was hot and heavy. But we got our guy, and I think we're gonna we're gonna go into a next era. And there's a new there's an alignment, there's an excitement, and we're uh, we're ready for this uh, individual to be joining our team. This individual has a name. And his name is Nate Slack. And me and Nate, uh, we have a common thread. We both uh, got our starts under the tutelage of Greg Rubel. So, Nate, welcome to Cougar Sports Saturday. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Nate, how long have you been a BYU fan? Oh, man. I had season tickets for the first time when I was two years old. And since then, two I've been, years old? been 173 BYU football games in person. Um, yeah, oh. man, lifelong. Holy smokes. That is a lot of football games, Nate. Yeah, it's it's a ton. My wife is super patient, so that helps a lot. But, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> it runs deep, man. Nate is a new Nate, father. Oh, go ahead, Mitch. Sorry. Nate, the thing I like about your addition to Cougar Sports Saturday is that you what you just showed right there. You know the total of games that you have been to, 173. That sort of thing slaps well on Cougar Sports Saturday. Nate is a diehard Cougar fan. You can follow him on Twitter, NateSlack5, on uh, on the Twitter account if Twitter continues to stay upright, which I think it will, but uh, I digress. Uh, Nate, uh, tell us, uh, I'm curious too, um, in that 173 games, uh, what's the winning percentage? Uh, so are you the bad luck guy? Are you a good luck guy? What's what's the winning clip for games you've been to? Do you know that number? <laughs> yeah, I don't know that one. I think it's pretty okay. – I, I think it's about 500, honestly. Uh, yeah. it, it's it's because that's, that's of fair. all the road games. The road games – we so me and my dad, we traveled to one or two a, a year, and there was a span where we lost about 13 straight. Um, it started after the Tulane game in 2009 – and that was awesome. And then we could not go to a road game where we won the game. So oh, wow. um, I, I take a lot of responsibility for that. We did break that in 2018. We went down to the Arizona game in Tucson. Hey. Um, and I snapped was, that. Uh, were we all there? Mitch, or you were there, right? I was. That was one I was not at, actually. What? Mitch. Yeah, I know. That was a great Tanner Mangum game, right? That was great. Yeah. <laughs> it was. Yep. Wow, that is uh, that's great, and I think that's one of the reasons we loved having you on. 
as the new producer, Nate. Well, well, I got to bring up the Greg Rubel thing. So me and Nate both were Greg Rubel interns. You were an intern with Greg three years ago. Is that right? Has it been that uh, long? Yeah, yeah. It was 2019 season, so 2019 to 2020. Tell us your favorite memory of being a Greg Rubel intern. Oh man. Um. Ah, oh, jeez. To put you on the it's, spot. No, yeah. Uh, honestly, one of the first things was walking into his office. He's got his office at BYU, the the broadcast building, right? And in his office, he's got all these cool helmets signed and, and posters signed by Mitch Matthews. And he's got all these conference championship rings from basketball dating back to the time where he started taking over the play calling. Um, but it, it was just kind of getting to know Greg, uh, seeing some of the cool stuff he's got, um, knowing exactly how, you know, the work that he puts into what he does. Um, it's, it's easy to appreciate what he does. Um, cause his calls are great, obviously, but seeing, uh, how much time he puts into getting the pregame show ready and, and how particular he is about making sure audio's you know, perfect and everything like that. Um, it just helped me appreciate better what he does. Yeah. We're blessed to have Greg Grubel as the play by play for BYU. He's does such a great job and man, if you can uh, if you can hack it under Greg Rubel, you can uh, you you can make it work here. So we're excited to have you, Mitch. What are the questions you have for new new producer Nate? Well, let me add this too, Nate. Uh, you will be getting paid. Uh, that's the thing that's different than uh, with Greg's. Uh, hey, look, hey, look. There's there's still value to the unpaid internships. I get it, but uh, let me let it be known. You will be getting paid here at KSL. Uh, but, uh, you know, you, tell us a little bit more about yourself, Nate. You're yeah. a BYU grad, correct? Yeah, BYU grad. So after interning with Gregor Bell, um, I was with Athletic Communications at BYU for about a year and a half. Um, had some opportunities to stick with them. Uh, timing and, and everything, you know, a number of things didn't work out. So I dabbled in Arizona for a little bit um, and then came back to Utah. My uh, found out my wife was pregnant in this, uh, earlier this year. So we moved back and then the baby was born about three weeks ago. And so, uh, boy, little, right? Boy, what, and the name? Name is Taysom. So, little Taysom joined our family about three weeks ago. Nope. Tell, you, tell you guys, it runs deep. It runs deep. <laughs> How so, did you get your wife on board passion. with the name Taysom? Oh man, see that that was actually pretty easy. Um, what what I had to do was lay out the fact that you know Taysom's, Taysom's not my favorite BYU player. Um, it's probably Luke Staley, and you got Jimmer up there, obviously. But Luke and Jimmer, the, the names didn't you know didn't hit super well. Um, and when she I brought wasn't up Taysom, Luke, Luke is she, easy. She was not feeling Luke, but she was definitely feeling Taysom. So we actually even considered having Taysom be the girl name uh, if it was a girl. And so That'd be interesting, it, yeah. But yeah, it worked out great. So she was super accepting, and she's already had she has our girl name picked out. So whenever we have a girl, um, she's got that one. Is set. it a BOU connection? It is not. Okay, not a BOU. That's fair. Connection. You get Taysom, you let her have the next one. Yeah, right? got to be patient. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I just know, Nate, that uh, we're excited to have you on the Cougar Sports Saturday team. I think you're going to do great things and only build off of what uh, Dallin uh, did for the show. We think you're going to do an awesome job. And and in this part of the show, we always had, you know, Dallin come onto the program and, you know, want to have you involved here with the show as well. So I'm curious, you know, with this being your first, first show, your maiden voyage with us, maybe your thoughts on this BYU football team in 2022, because as you as he laid as you laid out to Cougar Nation, you know, you are well versed in this BYU football program. This runs deep for you. So, 
maybe your feelings of the highs, the lows, and just where this thing is right now for BYU football, what needs to happen moving forward. Yeah, I think I agree with what you guys were talking about earlier. Um, it's It's been rough. I mean, obviously the, the Baylor game was a lot of fun. Uh, the high of highs, right? Beating a top 10 team on, at home after what they did to us last year. And then uh, just how things seem to unravel since then, haven't really been able to gain traction since. I I think back to the 2017 season and how disappointing that was. And um, this is probably a conversation for another day, but I, I think this season's been more disappointing just because of the returning production, returning coaching staff. Um, every, I mean, everything that we had last year on a 10-3 and 3 team with the exception of Tyler Algier came back this year, and things have just not clicked. So it's been it's been frustrating. Um, obviously, it's it's still you know BYU football and it's still fun and and going through the highs of winning at Boise State and stuff like that. But the lows of getting blown out at home to Arkansas, the lows of not even competing with Liberty, who got blown out today by <laughs> New Mexico State. Uh, yeah, I, I just I can't help but think it's a more disappointing season than 2017. Let me follow. Let me follow up with this, Nate. Because you have a good pulse of BYU fans, and that, that's that's one of the things that I think Matt and I really were excited about bringing you on to this show is that you know we want this show to be a hub of when Cougar fans tune in, it's it's an extension of them, you know, because far too often I think in media spaces we sometimes people crack on the mic and they think they're better than their listeners or whatever. It just it sometimes it comes with the job, but we want this to feel like. This is Cougar Nation embodied, and you have a good sense of, of Cougar fans. You, you are one. You love BYU sports. Uh, you know, does, has this season, for you, Nate, has it changed the excitement level you have maybe for the Big 12? Because that is something I feel like Cougar fans are – last year after that win over Utah, it was like, yes, the Big 12. Even the Baylor win, it was like, yes, we are going into the Big 12, and it's going to be this, this amazing thing. And now – it's kind of like, oh, man, is this going to be three-win seasons, two-win seasons? Where are you at with now the, the future early prospects of the Big 12? I don't think it's really tempered my my excitement for it, but yeah. my expectations have certainly adjusted. I think, you know, getting bowl eligible next year is probably going to be the going to be the goal. I think heading into this year, the goal is probably winning 10 games. Uh but next year, it's going to be tough because you can't even... Wait a minute. Did you say next year win 10 games? No, no, no. I, the goal this year was to win 10 okay, games. Okay, okay. I thought you said... I'm like, no, whoa, Full eligibility. Full eligibility. Because even you you would bank on teams like Kansas not performing very well and, and tacking that up as a win. And we just don't have that on the schedule next year. We have the you know the Sam Houston, who could be tough as well. They won the FCS championship a couple of years ago. Um, but it, I think expectations are going to have to shift... Uh, it'll be it'll be a learning curve for sure, but I think it's still exciting just being being able to have something to play for late in November. You guys were kind of touching on that as well. You know what things should BYU fans be looking forward to about the game tonight, knowing that even if they lose the game, they're probably going to be going to the same bowl game. So just having something late in the season to look forward to, having new opponents come to Provo, which you know it's not easy to do in the past. Um, but yeah, just looking forward to playing Oklahoma State and Baylor and and Texas and Oklahoma the next couple of years. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Just got to kind of temper your expectations and aim for bowl eligibility. Well, there you go. Tell Our me, new producer. Tell me, Nate. Hold on, one more thing. Okay, Nate. all right. Let, let's get it. 
you brought up your you and your dad go on a lot of BYU football road trips. What's the road trip in the Big 12 that you and your dad are circling? Because I think this is an interesting question because let's call it what it is, guys. We love the Big 12. We're excited for it. But these spots are not very glamorous. Like, I'm in Palo Alto right now. I'm going to say, uh, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say Stillwater isn't as nice as Palo Alto. So I'm curious, what's the, the, the trip that you and your dad are circling and saying, hey, we can't wait till we go to this game? You know, I I really want to go to Texas this year. I know people want te- Texas to come to Provo again. Nate, I was on my mission. Texas. I was on my mission. Oh, I was never gone. <laughs> no, I haven't been. So 2011, uh, I was I was 16. It wasn't going to happen. Um, and then 2014, that return game, I was on my mission, so I was gone. I got to see a little bit. Uh, don't tell my mission president, but um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think Texas might go to Oklahoma State would be fun, but kind of like you mentioned, Stillwater is not a very attractive location. And then I have no desire to go back to Oklahoma after our uh, our plane snafu flying to uh, the USF game this year, where they dropped us off in Oklahoma and told in us Norman? best of luck. They, no, they dropped us off in Tulsa. Oh boy! So jeez, yeah. So probably not. Were Oklahoma you flying budget though, Allegiant? Sure, we're okay. Well, there's your problem. So you can't <laughs> come on, come on, Nate. We're good. We gotta, we gotta step that up here in the uh, we're, everything's being leveled up the show, the Big 12, and your travel accommodations on the road going forward as well. All right, there's Nate Slack. Uh, he'll be a mainstay here on Cougar Sports Saturday going forward. Nate, glad to have you on. Uh, next week, we'll resume the top five. Yeah, right? top five next week. It's supposed to be this week. Uh, ran into a few obstacles, but next week for sure. Next week, top five is back, hosted by Nate Slack. The new era. Looking forward to it. We'll take the break here on the other side. We'll get back to some BYU football, get you ready for the final game of the 2022 football season. Back after this. Back in the Cougar Sports Saturday and Michigan. Dun, 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 dun. They blow out Ohio State, Mitch. Michigan uh, just poured it on in the fourth quarter. My goodness. That was an impressive victory by Jim Harbaugh's team. And you know what I love about this, too, is Michigan, the university, and I think a lot of the fans, I don't know if they loved Jim Harbaugh. And, but, they keep him around. They rework his contract. They're patient. And now they've won two in a row against Ohio State. And, look, patience is not a popular word in college sports right now, but sometimes it really pays off. It really does. And last year he took a, a pay cut to stay as the head coach. And that patience has worked out. And now Michigan has two years in a row of victories over their rival. And, you know, I, I will say, Matt, I, I sometimes miss those those days of those years rather of a season culminating with BYU in Utah. Because even with a six and five BYU against a three and eight Utah, I'm saying that record because that's Stanford's mark, it would still have juice. Yep. You know, it would still have some sort of energy that's uh that's just energizing the BYU and Utah fan bases. And look, I I know that was the whack in the Mountain West. It's a different dynamic now because we got a little taste of it in that 2018 season when uh, the season concluded with Utah and there wasn't much energy leading up to that game. But uh, that is something that has lacked and it probably will still lack going into the Big 12 Conference. Like 
the Big 12 era, you'll probably cap off a season with, you know, maybe Iowa State, maybe TCU. I don't know. Somewhat, I'll, I'm tossing it out there. We'll probably find out the schedule next week. That's the expectation, which I cannot wait to get my hands on that thing and see that thing up and down. But, uh, you know, it, sometimes I do romanticize a little bit of those those years of, of BYU and Utah capping it off. And even if there was no championship or playoff or whatever it was at stake, it was just always fun to have BYU and Utah cap off a season. And uh, I, I will say I sometimes grow nostalgic uh, when it gets to this week and I see a Michigan-Ohio State played. And uh, I think back to those those times when BYU and Utah squared off in cold weather and, and locked it up and, and just – those memories that those games provided. And I don't know. I sometimes grow nostalgic on this week and sometimes miss it at times. Let me throw this your way, Mitch. Um, With BYU becoming a power team, and look, we've had many discussions about this before, but I'm curious where you you sit now. Because there's there's games on this week that are out of conference. Clemson, South Carolina is an example of that. Do you think you'd be interested in BYU and Utah even if they remain in different power conferences? playing that game this week every year? That's a great question. If if it was guaranteed where Utah was willing to do that, and BYU, I think, would probably do it, I think, yeah, I would be down for that. If it was a permanent fixture, yet you know every year it's ending with BYU-Utah, I would sign up for that. If, if it's a permanent fixture in week two or week three. No, I'm not signing up for that because yep. I'm not interested. I yep. want I want the novelty and I want I want to see BYU play, you know, Miami or who, you know whoever they got in their future non-conference schedules now. I want those games. Uh but if it's the last game of the season, I can get on board with that. I'm down with that. I what about you? Would yeah. you be open to that? So I'm to, I'm 100% with you. If it's in September, I don't want to play it every year. But if it is the last game of the year, and you have that, you know, final bragging rights rivalry at the end of the year. I could be talked into it. Yeah. I think that would be fun, but definitely not interested in week two, week one, week three every year. Like, it's got to have meaning at the end of the year, or we're not playing the game every year. That's how I feel. New news, traffic, and weather coming up next, and then we will get to an interview I had earlier in the week with BYU quarterback Jaron Hall, unrivaled. You hear that conversation coming up next? Cougar Sports Saturday live from Palo Alto, California. On KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.